This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Welcome back to another episode of The Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to blueberry industry. Already this year, we've explored global markets for blueberries in countries like India and South Korea. Today's episode is also going to be about global demand, but instead of honing in on one country, we're going to talk about the global demand for consumer packaged goods. We'll highlight four big CPG trends and where blueberries fit into these trends. There are some tremendous opportunities here for our industry, and I'm excited to share today's episode. Just like previous episodes about global markets, I'm joined by, again, USHBC and NABC Vice President of Global Business Development, Alicia Adler. Alicia, great to have you on the show. Thanks, Casey. I'm excited for this episode. Yeah, I am too. I think coming out of our spring meetings and our conference where, you know, I think people got some depth of what is going on in kind of your world, your lane, your role, this is going to be a nice compliment to seeing how that's now being built out in our work with SRG. But obviously, we've got a, an expert here from Mintel that I think will really help spotlight a lot of the important work that's going on here at USHBC right now. So looking forward to it. The Global Market Series also, Alicia, has been a great hit. So we can see that in our data of these podcasts. But maybe you can tell me, how do you see this fitting in to the last two episodes where we did explore you know, countries like India and South Korea? Yeah, the previous episodes, like you said, have been focused on country-specific programs. We've brought in either our representative or exporters to those countries. But in this episode, I wanted to show how our global food manufacturing program, which is a really significant program that the council runs, is evolving. I wanted to focus on how our global food manufacturing program not only focuses on North America, but how trends that we see in North America and what companies are doing here really is influencing global trends and how interconnected we are as consumers and how different companies are evolving and new products are being developed that cross borders. So I thought that this episode was, was a good one to include, demonstrate the evolution of our program, and also kind of talk about more of these macro trends without being so country specific. Well, I'm excited about this episode as well. So let's kick things off by letting our two guests introduce themselves and provide a little bit of background. First, we have Lynn Dornblazer, Director of Innovation and Insights at Mintel. Lynn, welcome to the business of blueberries. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Well, we are excited to have you here. Tell us a little bit about your background, Lynn. What What does your work focus on? Well, what I do mainly every day at Mintel, with Mintel being a global research company, I'm looking at what's going on out there in the market, what consumers think, what we see in terms of uh, new product development and product introductions, and how those two things really fit together. And I've been doing that for a really long time. I've been at Mintel 23 years, and I've been looking at new products and new product trends since 1986. 
Awesome. Well, uh, excited to have you here. Also joining us is Chef Dina Paz, Culinary Director at SRG. Could you share a little bit about the background and the work you do? Yes, certainly. So um, I actually have about 20 years um, being a chef and a culinarian. So initially started in restaurants in Denver, but, you know, uh, definitely ended up in the product development world uh, well over 10 years ago, have been with SRG now for about seven years. So I head up a practice where we focus primarily on strategy, culinary strategy and development for both CPG manufacturing and food service space. So, you know, we really um, have that 360 view inside uh, both the technical and the creative aspect of uh, the latest food trends. Welcome, Lynn. Welcome, Chef Dina. Uh, we're really happy to have you here. Lynn, you told us a little bit about your background at Mintel, but maybe you could describe for us how you go about identifying trends. Yeah, identifying trends is an interesting and tricky thing. You know, it's um, part art and part science. So in no particular order, some of the, the things that we do when we try to identify, let's say, what's a trend as opposed to what's a fad, you know, because some things do come and go as fads. We take a look at new product launch activity over time. So we might look in a single country, we might look globally. We look for whatever the trend area happens to be. At what point do we start to see big companies get into it as opposed to it being just a lot of really small companies? Because smaller companies often will lead the trends, will in a sense get a trend started, but then it begins to go mainstream once you begin to see major players in that trend, for example. We look to see how trends move from one part of the world to another. And there's plenty that we could talk about regarding blueberries where we've seen that happen. And those are some of the parts that are the science parts, looking at data. But then you just need to bring all the knowledge and experience that you have in your head to bear to help identify, is this a trend that's going to stick? Is it a trend that's not going to stick? And that's really the art part. So we talk a lot about trends and how to identify them and, you know, what's going on and what's going to make it and what's not going to make it. We do that all the time. And, and sometimes we're right. We're not always right, but sometimes we are. It just takes a lot of looking at numbers and thinking about what they mean and making some educated guesses. That's a good point. I mean, getting to the root cause of why these trends develop and how they expand globally, you can really find some common denominators. And, you know, from my experience, as our world becomes more connected and information is shared so much more easily, you know, we we find that there's a lot of common needs around the world. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a great point. Chef Dina, you've lived and worked in the product development world throughout your career. Tell us where product developers get their information and how are they catching wind of these trends that influence their work? Like, where do they go for information? Sure. Um, you know, many of us, you know, we're part of a group or the other, right? Whether it's RCA, but more than anything, I think our vendors and suppliers are where we like to go to for new information. Obviously, right, like industry and trade magazines, prepare foods is a really great, you know, uh, resources to understand what's really going on out there. What are the trends that are happening? But in the product development world, you know, often we have our heads down in the work. So it's hard sometimes to, you know, see the, the full picture. So often it's really the suppliers and the vendors that come to us with, 
you know, new ideas or collaborations that we can use to help us, you know, solve for, because we're usually solving for specific questions, right, on specific projects. So that's normally where we like to, you know, we like to mine information and new ideas. When it comes to blueberry ingredients, I mean, I think this is really an area where the U.S. Hibish Blueberry Council can step in. I mean, a lot of our programming is targeting product developers. We have the information, we have the data, and that's really, you know, what we hope to do and, you know, fill in the gap with it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I look at that as an opportunity. Absolutely. There's definitely a lot of opportunity for blueberries to show up too, especially since there's so many different fruits that are out there. Um, you know, ingredients right now are becoming the star in a lot of product development formulations, right? So, you know, everyone's looking for that next hot ingredient, the next turmeric, for instance, the next cauliflower, you name it. And there's definitely a place for blueberries to show up above and beyond um, your, your baked goods, right? So I think really it's about bringing, what does that look like? What are those new applications? What are those new ideas that maybe stretch the imagination? Because one thing a lot of product developers don't get is uh, an opportunity to explore and to get creative as well, right? So that hand-in-hand, like culinary piece with the technical piece, uh, really uh, going back to what Lynn said, it's really an art and a science. Well, I'm excited to explore some of those inspiring possibilities as we move forward into this episode. Uh, But first, we need to take a quick break for our crop report. I'm excited last week to have welcomed Florida back as our first domestic report for the 2021 season. So here, once again, is your Blueberry Crop Report. It's time now for your Blueberry Crop Report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry areas around the globe. Today, you'll hear from Luis Vegas in Peru, Bill Steed in California, and Ken Patterson in Florida. This was recorded on April 7th, 2021. Hi, good morning everybody. Once again, my name is uh, Juan Soria Morales. I am the plant health inspector from Maneberries. Next, we are going to provide the Mexico's export blueberry data for week 13. Our production volume has grown 6% with respect to week 12. In the next couple of weeks, we are expecting to have the highest volumes of the season, since we are now in the peak production of blueberries in our fields. This week, we have exported a total of 6.4 million pounds to our customers all over the world. And from this volume, 6.1 million pounds have been shipped to the North American market. A summary of the export season from Mexico to all the world is equivalent to 82.79 million pounds. The California marketplace is, uh, is starting harvest Right about now, uh, it's in different areas. The coastal portion has been going since probably February, uh, and they are starting to peak uh, probably this week. I don't have the exact poundage that they're that they're doing right now. We're actually this week uh, we're collecting our our crop forecast for the year, the first cut of it, and. Uh, the data is being discussed at our board meeting at later this morning. But we're anticipating being probably 10 to 15 percent more fruit this year than we had last year. I think we were at about 75 million pounds. We're probably going to be north somewhere above 80 would be a, just the first guess. The crop looks solid from what everybody's saying. The typical timing is... Um, you know, we'll continue through April, May, 
and uh, and into that into that June window. So I guess we got a little bit of overlap with us in Mexico. They're they're approaching peak, and we're we're coming in. Well, hi, this is Ken Patterson, uh, grower from Florida, about to give your uh, latest crop report. All regions in Florida are now picking. Central and South Florida will be peaking by the end of next week, and North Florida will be peaking about seven to 10 days later. So far, all growers are reporting an abundant amount of picking labor available. The quality has been very good with the weather being warm and dry. And up to this point, Florida has shipped 2.3 million pounds of blueberries. Well, thank you so much to our colleagues who take time to participate in these reports. Reminder that we now have this fantastic place at the new USHBC website where you'll find our data and insight center to see more data of what's happening in the blueberry industry in real time. So make sure you go to ushbc.org to check that out. Now, let's turn our attention back to today's featured conversation with Lynn Dornblazer and Chef Dina Paz. Alicia, take it away. Thanks, Casey. Um, I also want to note there's a, an interesting connection here from our Data and Insight Center and then our guests from Mintel. We're going to be relying on our Mintel subscription to their global new product database and our analysis that we have from the database annually to populate and provide information through our Data Insight Center. So not only is that center going to be a great resource for crop information and harvest information, but also on what's happening in all of the market categories. So I'm really, really excited about that center, and I know it's already being used. So back to this conversation, you know, and I want to kind of dive into the blueberry opportunities and these trends versus fads. So Lynn, can you share a few trends that you're seeing gain traction presently and that present a specific opportunity for blueberries? Sure. You know, we could talk about a variety of trends all day long. To me, it feels like there are four big ones that are not only are they absolutely essential to be thinking about right now, no matter what business you're in, but also they do link to blueberries. And there's a ton that we can say about all four of them, but I'll just mention what the four are. The first one, the biggest, broadest one is really thinking about the notion of well-being. So as opposed to weight loss or health and wellness, you know, all those labels that we've put on that, it really is about well-being of the consumer, uh, which means a lot of different things, a lot to talk about there. Another one that's important as well is what I might call wholesomeness. You might think of that as clean label, but that's all about the simplicity of formulation. And these days, there are two that are much more specific that I think you really have to be thinking about and talking about. One is sugar reduction. And the fourth one is immunity, especially these days. So if I were to think about and pick out a few trends that are important today and relate to blueberries, those were four that I would take a look at. And Chef Dina, I mean, how might these play out in consumer packaged goods and how does the process work? And, you know, at what point, given these macro trends and product developers that are trying to, you know, really take advantage of the opportunities within them, how do they approach blueberries? Like when does blueberries become part of the conversation and ideation and new product development? 
Sure. Well, I mean, blueberries are a natural fit in uh, pretty much all of the trends that Lynn just uh, just mentioned, right? All four of them. I think quite often because of the new application of uh, these ingredients, right? So now blueberries already comes with this really nutrient dense, really like excellent health halo story around it. The good thing about that is we want to see that across so many different products, right? In different categories in the CPG space that uh, there's a lot we could do with it, right? So, you know, we've been playing a lot with blueberries recently and have found that its functionality can be everything from uh, very health forward and functional to like really indulgent as well. And it, well, that's one of the cool things about it is you can play in just about any category. So um, it can definitely do, uh, you know, go above and beyond just the baked good. So, you know, there's a lot that, that can happen with it. We like to see it in the savory applications quite a bit as well. You know, we did a few big studies last year. I actually presented the findings from them at our spring meeting a few weeks ago. And in part of that, we really explored different types of blueberry ingredients. And we, we look at all of them. I mean, the blueberry industry can produce anything you can think of with a blueberry puree, juice, concentrate, IQF, frozen. What are the types of ingredients, specifically blueberry ingredients that product developers are looking for that continue to provide that flavor that everyone enjoys from blueberries, but also, you know, fits within these trends of immunity and well-being? Well, you know, it really depends on the application, right? So um, IQF works best in certain applications more than others. For homogenous bars and snacks, for instance, you, the powders work really well. So it's really about how does it show up to your point, one, from a flavor standpoint, because flavor we know um, has to be pretty much the number one thing. But then there's also the fact that besides functionality, we want to see the blueberries, right? So um, if we want to make sure that they're coming across as having that wonderful antioxidant or that high fiber quality to it, quite often it's really about the whole ingredient. So if we can see it in any form, in any way, whether it's in flex and whatnot, so those visual cues in addition to the flavor component, are really important when we start thinking about formulating in this space. One trend that I've seen just in terms of working with our different international teams, specifically in the food ingredient side, is that in terms of consumer perception and awareness of blueberries, you know, their demand for products that contain blueberries really depends on how developed the market is. Whereas, you know, blueberries are really seen in particular fresh blueberries are used as a snack and they're used as an ingredient. But here in North America, you know, we buy them at the store, we eat them by the handful. And, you know, other countries don't necessarily have that availability that or access that we do here. So they're really introduced to it as an ingredient in their food products. And then that's where, you know, product developers and marketers have an opportunity to tell a story of blueberries through their packaging. And so it's just a different marketing strategy when you're working in the CPG world versus in the fresh market and the retail. And how do you continue to communicate the benefits of blueberries when it's an ingredient versus, you know, in the store in a fresh pack? And again, it kind of goes back to what consumers are looking for from country to country. I think there might be something interesting to think about there, though, because I'm thinking of a, another fruit that has a similar trajectory in that you would eat it fresh where it's from, but because of its fragility, you wouldn't ever eat it fresh anyplace else. And it's always used as an ingredient. And that's Asahi. 
So we see the Asahi fruit show up a lot in Brazil, especially. That's where it's from. People do eat it fresh. It's a strong flavor, but like cranberries are. But people do eat it fresh. It is something that you can purchase. But because of its fragility, it doesn't show up as a fresh product that you can buy anyplace else. And so it's only used as an ingredient. And there's something about that and thinking about how blueberries are used as ingredients in other parts of the world that makes me wonder if there's an interesting opportunity. And this is kind of a weird analogy, but all the communication about Asahi as it's used is about the antioxidants and about the health benefits. It's not about the freshness. It's not about the ease of eating it, thinking about how you would eat fresh blueberries. It's not about cooking with it or baking with it. It might be putting a dried or frozen format in a smoothie drink or something like that, but it's not using the fresh products at all. And so the focus for Asahi outside of Brazil is about the health benefits. And that feels to me like that's something similar with blueberries. So for outside the U.S. where blueberries are less common. And so I wonder if there's an opportunity to learn from how blueberry benefits are communicated outside the U.S. and apply some of those learnings to the U.S. That's really interesting. Um, You're absolutely right. There may be something to learn there. I'd even argue we're almost doing that right now with certain plant-based ingredients, right? So whether it's uh, legumes or pulses, look what cauliflower is doing. Because of the low-carb, gluten-free kind of diets that people were having, cauliflower found a way to get in on that, right? As that alternative, as that plant-based now, right? Alternative. Now we no longer talk about it as like low-carb, but then the entire story turned around and it became about, well, now there's no gluten in there, and uh, but we, you can still have your your wonderful uh, pizza crust, right? Or your tortilla made out of uh, cauliflower or any a number of other ingredients like almond flour, for instance. So I think there's so much opportunity to reframe the conversation, even like what we thought we knew of them. They can certainly be something else. And to your point, Lynn, really it's about fitting that consumer need. And right now we know the consumer need is about immunity and health and wellness. Well, let me jump right in here so we could take a quick break for our marketing boost. We'll be right back to the CPG conversation in a moment. But for now, here's USHBC NABC Vice President of Marketing and Communication, Jennifer Sparks. Thanks, Casey. This week, let's talk new marketing resources and brain health. One of the key benefits of USHBC, in addition to promoting blueberries on a national level on behalf of the entire industry, is to provide you, the grower, marketer, or retailer, with professional, attention-grabbing marketing resources to leverage our programs for your own marketing efforts. June is Brain Health Month and is one of the major power periods that USHBC has identified to give blueberries and their health benefits a major boost as part of our Grab a Boost of Blue branding and consumer call to action. We're doing this through social media, influencer marketing, digital advertising, and media relations. And our job is to make your job easier. We've done so with USHBC's newest Brain Health Month Toolkit to help you promote these benefits on your own channels. In order to provide you with many weeks of planning time, the new toolkit is up and ready for you to dive in on the tools and assets available to you. 
Just go to ushbc.org slash brain toolkit to find digital ads and banners, social media posts, key messages, and more. Check it out and let's get the world to grab a boost of blue, aka brain food, during Brain Health Month this June. This has been your marketing boost. Thank you for your partnership, as together we inspire the world to grab a boost of blue. Back to you, Casey. Thanks, Jenny. Now back to today's episode with Alicia, Lynn, and Chef Dina. As you look at blueberries in that comparison between us and cauliflower, you know, what is the balance from your perspective on engaging in trends and not chasing fads? I think one of the things we struggle with is we see the angles, you know, but with limited resources and the long game in mind, you know, we want to be successful 10, 20, you know, 30 years out here. But at the same time, we see these things roll in and they're just so enticing. And one of those examples was given to us during our fall meeting. We had a keynote, Michael Hyatt, and he spoke to our group and actually said, you know, keto, you know, blueberries, it's like, you know, one of three fruits I can eat on this diet. You guys are in such a great position. But so many people would say that's a fad diet. Talk to me a little bit on that balance from your perspective on, on a commodity board like ours, or just these groups like ours, when do we spend time and attention on a fad or somebody else's interpretation of a fad versus staying on trend? That is really, really challenging. And you see so many companies jump in with everything they've got into a fad and they crash and burn. And I think we've seen that over and over and over again. But then there are other companies that will get into something that feels like a fad, ride that wave. Again, looking back all those years to low carb, an example of that is Unilever. So one of the biggest food companies in the world got into low carb relatively early, had a number of products. And as we watched new product introductions begin to peak, interest begin to peak, it being really close to turning, what we saw was Unilever got out. They pulled all of their low-carb products off the market because they guessed correctly that the trend was just about to turn and it was going to crash. There were a couple other big companies, not fair to name them, that got into the trend right at the top and rode it all the way to the bottom, which is not where you want to be at all. But when it comes to if you're out there looking at what's going on and deciding, do we get into this new thing or that new thing or this other new thing? I would say what's so important to do is to look to see what those challenger brands are doing. Those are those little companies. Quite often they come into existence because someone is passionate about an idea and they decide that they've got to do it. But look to see what's going on with the small companies that are doing some experimenting. Look to see what's happening, especially on social media, especially with younger consumers. I would say Gen Z, yes, uh, the oldest Gen Z are 25 years old, but really most importantly, millennials. Uh, millennials are 26 to 40 right now because it's those consumers who will make or break the trends. And that's mainly because the age group that they are, they've got the interest and the desire to latch on to the latest, coolest thing. So I would say, watch the small companies, watch social media, and then ask everybody you know. And 
when you feel like you're able to decide if you should take the risk or not take the risk. Got it. Well, that's super helpful. I appreciate that perspective. And I mean, kind of along those lines, you know, how can a commodity organization like ours, you know, help facilitate that? I mean, we have access to data, we have access to analysis, we have partners like SRG or Colinex, you know, to really help not just inspire new product development, but make sure that product developers that want to use blueberries or interested in blueberries have the right information. You know, Chef Dina, you you work on our program um, increasingly and specifically in food innovation. We recently, you know, went through the exercise of innovation and new products that are projected to be on trend for a while, specifically targeting these these consumer groups, Gen Z and millennials. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, how USHBC is fitting into that and what resources, you know, you see our program providing in this market segment? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you, you guys are right. You have so many different ingredients that we can play with, right? I do feel like we're only just scratching the surface here. There's so much that can be done. I think really just inspiring that, um, not just a creativity, but inspiring product developers and showing them different applications for the powder, for the IQF berry, for the freeze-dried. There's a lot of opportunity there that we can um, either collaborate with other groups as well, right? Or other product developers that have maybe specific struggles or specific challenges that maybe we can help answer. I think that's really a lot of fun. And certainly really it's about the exploration because frankly, you know, going back to the conversation with Lynn, the more consumer needs where blueberries can fit in, whether it's health and wellness, whether it's that comfort and health that we know is a big driver right now, uh, whether it's even indulgence, the more you have a place to play, right? The more the blueberry presence continues to be really relevant. And, and then it becomes more about just trends and fats. You can live in just anywhere, any of those places. But I think for a lot of folks is, you know, we do think of it as a fresh ingredient here, certainly nationally, and we don't see it as an ingredient, maybe the way that we do internationally, right? So I think there'd be kind of really interesting kind of mining from that as well, um, even as myself as a product developer, like seeing what's happening globally, how are they using it as an ingredient, I think would also be another way, fun way, really, to explore any new applications that we can do with the various uh, blueberry ingredients. One of the things that we see a little bit more outside the U.S., especially if you're thinking of Western Europe, let's say, is you see much more in terms of fruits and vegetables, so powders, concentrates, whatever the ingredient might be, being used to provide natural colors. And so it's using uh, fruit and vegetable ingredients to be the thing that provides the color, that delivers the color. Because I know I've seen that with blueberry as an ingredient showing up as being called out as one of the ingredients that helps deliver the bright colors in the kids' candies or whatever it happens to be. To me, that feels like something that might be not as well explored in the U.S. market. When we ask consumers what healthy means to them, Fresh, of course, is number one, but uh, right up there at 43% of consumers is natural. 
Now, that doesn't mean the all-natural claim that sits on products, but that's about the naturalness of ingredients, the wholesomeness of ingredients. And to be able to say whatever this is gets its color from this fruit extract, that vegetable concentrate, this blueberry powder, you know, whatever the group of things might be, that drives home that sense of naturalness that consumers are looking for. Well, kind of as we wrap up here, maybe I'll turn it over to you, Chef, about any final thoughts, parting words, advice for us as we go forward from here that that you'd like to share? Yeah, uh, certainly. I mean, number one, blueberries are super exciting. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's yes, it's a great fruit. Love to eat it. Right. Uh, it's super familiar, but there's so much that could be done with it. I do believe, especially in the CPG space, we are not really seeing enough uh, products out there that can really leverage the story power, frankly, of blueberries, whether it's comfort, whether it's health, whether it's excitement, right? There's there's so much that could be said. And there's a lot of opportunity. I know we've had a lot of conversations about a lot of different products that might seem like, wow, um, does this live in, in this particular category? And certainly there's potential for it to do that. I think communicating especially the uniqueness of blueberries to product developers, whether it's in collaboration, whether it's helping them by answering a specific need. Cause like, again, most of them are just going to be, you know, working on projects that like I needed to do this, but we really want to hear, okay. And what else? Right. So I needed to do this and it can do X, Y, and Z. You may not have thought about, I think putting that in front of people, you know, it's really important just to kind of stretch that imagination there. But overall, just continuing to really dive into innovation because it's not going to end. And to take a little bit from the food service world, I think, we, you know, you know, we've done some, some work there as well. Also tracking what's happening in the food service world, right? What are the innovations happening there? Because innovation is going to increase and it's accelerating even more so as people are going to be out there. I think we're going to see that manifesting in CPG as well. So let's get ahead of that. Let's be the ones to innovate and carry that forward before, you know, and, and be the ones to problem solve and be proactive about it. Well, I love what you've done already in that profiling and exploring and obviously inspiring on the food service side. And then again, you know, most recently working on the food ingredients side. So I share your enthusiasm and I'm excited about what you've already been doing to kind of help us explore that area. Lynn, I'm going to turn it over to you before we go. Just as you look forward for us in this category, the blueberry industry representing all those things that I think Alicia spoke to that are those expectations the industry has for us as a commodity board. But as you look towards the future, you know, this is kind of a crystal ball moment for you. (laughs) No pressure here. But what's that look like for us? Right. So I would say the first thing to think about is what is the future post-COVID going to look for consumers? And I think one of the answers to that is that what is forever changed with consumers because of the last year is a much stronger focus on health. It's very specifically a much stronger focus on immunity. So to me, for blueberries, just as for other ingredients that can provide this benefit, but for blueberries, it's 
talking about the antioxidants and all of the health that blueberries can provide. But blueberries to me has a leg up on some other ingredients that would also be good sources of antioxidants. Actually, two legs up. One would be flavor, thinking of the US, flavor that everybody knows, everybody likes, fun, portable, all of that. But then, as I said before, I think the other benefit too is color, especially for younger consumers, even children, to be that natural, fun blue that you don't see in a lot of places um, provided naturally. But I would say, first off, the most important thing would be talk about all of the healthfulness and how that helps you optimize your health and helps you feel strong and invincible because that's what consumers lost last year. Man, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not fired up, you know, all these things and and having the two of you uh, kind of explain it from your expert perspectives, I, I just think, you know, this is what it's all about. This is where we're headed. We're kind of in this sweet spot of inspiring possibilities and really capturing the imagination of that next generation and even the next generation, but really making the blueberry more prolific, you know, through these innovations than we've ever seen before. And, and I just loved what you said, Chef, about we're just scratching the surface. For the audience listening, they're thinking, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. I've been doing this for 30 years. They're native to the US. Like what, what is it that people aren't getting about blueberries? But to hear both of you kind of describe the potential trajectory that's still yet ahead it's just so encouraging. And I hope others listening today are, are sensing that encouragement from both of you. So thank you so much. Great show. Great opportunity to be with you. Uh, Alicia, thank you for your work and bringing this episode together. But, you know, very exciting and looking forward to working with all of you in the days and months and years ahead. Thank you. It was fun. Thanks a lot. Well, that's it for episode 42. Thanks to those who continue to share this podcast. Our numbers keep growing and I really appreciate you helping to get the word out about this show and about our industry. So thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family and hard work right here on The Business of Blueberries. Don't discount color because color really matters to that group. That's the take a picture of your meal before you eat it group, you know, got to feed the gram, got to feed the gram. gram. <laughs> <laughs>